everything that we hear from the Word of God to ourselves personally. It behooves us not to think that the Word of God's not applicable to me. We stand in very precarious ground when we say, well, he's preaching to my neighbor or he's preaching to those in front of me or behind me. But we ought to have an attitude that says, God, number one, I love your law. Nothing shall offend me. And I want the word of God. Leviticus chapter number one, or chapter 13, pardon me, verse number one. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab or bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priest. And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh. And when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. 44th verse of that same chapter. The Bible says he is a leprous man. He is unclean. The priest shall pronounce him utterly unclean. Notice this. His plague is in his head. And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent and his head bare. And he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry unclean, unclean. I want to preach tonight what may sound like a paradox for a few moments, but I trust that you help me reach out in this building tonight. Whoever you are to who I am preaching to tonight, I want you to know God loves you. He loves you very much. He loves you so much that he is willing to change the order of this service to reach to you and let you know he loves you. And I pray that you would hear it tonight. I want to preach to you for however long it takes us to get through this. My subject being the comfort of misery. The comfort of misery. Jesus, I want you to help us tonight passed to me a very uh, passed to me when I was very young a real interest in medicine I can remember some of the earliest memories I have of reading uh, beginning to read novels I found in our library uh, library uh, novels and and writings that dealt a lot with medicine and surgeons and uh, for a, a a long period of my early life there was a very very strong feeling in myself that 
one day I, if God would help me, would love to be a physician. And I studied uh, things that would help me in my education toward uh, being a doctor. I was intrigued at an early age of the study of genetics. I remember having a sixth grade teacher by the name of Ann Stepp. And I will never, never forget the impact that she had on my young mind when I began to explore some of the uh, heavier sciences. And I was captivated by the study of medicine and what all could be uh, discovered about the human body uh, due to the various tests and procedures that were handled by uh, people in the medical field. And I, I, read, I read books that intrigued me how that would seem like there was an, a, a case, an individual who had a uh, very unique set of circumstances only to uh, baffle or escape the ability of most known physicians to properly diagnose the, the problem that would be in this case study. And many books I read would revolve around that type of scenario. How that almost like a detective, a brilliant physician would begin to walk down an elusive trail of diagnosis until ultimately and in finality he would discover something that had been overlooked only to prescribe a very simple and easy remedy and everybody lived happily ever after. And in my quest and in my hunger and in what reading that I read, there was a very common denominator that began to surface the more that I looked into medicine and the more that I read and the more that I studied. I began to find out that the most difficult part of medicine was not in writing prescriptions or it was not in setting a broken limb. It was not in mending torn flesh. It was not even in the delicate procedures of the plastic surgeon. The most difficult parts of medicine really was not uh, open heart surgery or bypass uh, type of surgeries. It was not intracranial procedures. It was not a uh, certain kind of nuclear medicines. But the most difficult part of all of medicine is something that many times is often neglect and often overlooked. That which separates the great physician from the also ran is not the fact that the great physician can suture a wound and leave a very slight detectable trace, if any at all. But the element, the part that separates the good from the common 
is the most difficult part in all of medicine. And that is the part of science called diagnosis. What separates the specialist from an also-ran is that the specialist hangs on the trail of a problem hours longer than the GP or the regular practitioner would ever do. The thing that makes a man a whiz or in that upper echelon of medicine is he is an individual who when he sees a problem, he diagnoses it thoroughly like a bloodhound on the trail of a lost individual or like a bird dog that you preached about this morning that once it gets the scent, it's not going to get back to the truck until the bird is flushed out. Now begin to find out that once a proper diagnosis is made, almost anybody can read a medical journal or a desktop reference and prescribe the right medication once a proper diagnosis is, come, is found. That is the reason when you have placed yourselves into the hands of a physician and you walk inside his office and you get an appointment and say, you have got whatever kind of malady is in your life. You fill out a form of many questions that says, have you had dizziness or shortness of breath or palpitations of the heart and on and on and on and on. Are you allergic to this, 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 this? Is there this kind of problem in your family? What's on your mother's side? What's on the paternal side? And on and on and on and on and on. And sometimes you may think it seems a little bit redundant and it, it's a bunch of overkill and, and it takes a whole lot of time sitting in an examining room filling out all of these questions but I am going to preach something to you tonight I don't ever want you to forget and that is a somehow that doctor can check out every road every lead if he can answer every question he inevitably is going to find a diagnosis that stands on its own and once it is discovered anybody just about can say take two aspirin drink a lot of 7-Up eat a bunch of chicken soup and call me in the morning We pay physicians to practice their learning to diagnose our problem. We pay them to practice. That is why when you walk into an examining room, the doctor asks you many questions as he flips through your chart. When's the last time I saw you? All right. 
You know, how, how's those corns doing that was on your feet? Everything fine? I notice here you were back here at 6-12-92. You, you were having a little problem with migraine. How's that going? We, we discovered you was having that prescribed whatever. How, how you doing? How's the kids? Husband's still okay. And then he begins to do some things that, that sometimes don't quite make a whole bunch of sense to the uneducated and the unlearned. You walk in there and your arms broke in too. And he's wanting to take your temperature. And you're thinking, my God, I'm not stupid enough to know. I'm not in here to have a, because uh, I got a fever. I got a broke arm. Can't you see it hanging? And then he grabs it and moves it and says, does it hurt? Does it hurt here, Bill? Yeah! Your arms broke. And he looks in your ears. Look pretty good. Nova's been doing a good job on you, buddy. And he looks in your eyes. And he shines lights in there. And your arm's broken. You know, hey, I ain't a doctor, but fix my broken arm. He knows your arm is broke. He thumps you on the back, listens with a stethoscope, cuts his hand. Beats on the back of his hand. Your arm, every time he touches you, your arm is screaming at you. Does it hurt here, Bill? How about here? How about here? <laughs> then when you think you've been abused as much as you can handle it, he gets a hammer. And makes you sit like a film. And goes to beating on your knees, seeing if your leg would jump and your arms broke. Takes your blood pressure. He listens to your heart and you're saying, Would you fix my arm? Then he said, kindly jump up here on this examination table. And because we are in pain, think. Because we can feel. Because we are miserable. Because we are in agony. Because we fear for our flesh. 
We don't fight him. He said, stick out your tongue and say, ah. We don't argue with him. Because we're saying something's wrong with my body. And I happen to love this body. Once the diagnosis is completed, the answer is usually easy to come by. I'm preaching tonight that we are willing to suffer some of the greatest indignities that we will ever know at the hands of a physician to check ourselves out physically because living inside every one of us tonight is a deep fear that something terminally wrong would be with us. We feel a little pain in our chest. And we're not ones to think, well, it's just going to pass. But we say, could it be a heart attack? And we're willing to subject ourselves, jumping up on a table like a little child because there is a fear in our heart of disease. We're willing to stick our tongue out and say, ah, because there is a pain inside of us that says this should not be here. I don't feel like I feel I ought to feel. Hit me with a hammer and make sure there's movement and reaction and reflex. Shine a light in my eye and make sure my pupils aren't fixed but they can still dilate. Check my ears and make sure I can still hear. Check my nail beds and make sure they're not blue. I want to make sure there's oxygen flowing in my life. Why? Because we fear for our bodies. I want to talk to you tonight from the Word of God. I read to you in the book of Leviticus that God spoke to Moses and Aaron. As the preachers, as the ministry, God gave into the hands of the pastor the rules, the right, and the equipment to make the diagnosis. I want you to notice with me tonight before I get ahead of myself, but I'm just here to tell you tonight, when God even talked about a physical debilitating situation in the Old Testament, He did not place the answer to it in the hands of a doctor, but He put it in the hands of the priest. He did not tell them, if you feel you're cured of leprosy, you go show yourself to the doctor. He said, if you feel you're cured of leprosy, you go show yourself to the priest. I'm going to preach something tonight 
that's probably not going to be very popular to the devil and his kind of people. And I'm going to tell you tonight, you better thank God if the man of God can preach the Word of God and the Word of God can affect you and if it even makes you miserable, I'm here to tell you there is great comfort in being able to feel misery of the Word of God walking up and down your life. I am preaching to you tonight that you better learn to have an attitude of accountability to the man of God and to the church of God or you're never going to be saved. Some people will let a doctor poke them, jab them, shine lights in them, make them stick their tongue out and holler, make them roll over, make them do this, but you let a preacher tell them, where have you been? You let a preacher preach, you better get on your face and see God and the attitudes of hell bow up and say, you can't tell me that. I'll tell you why. You love your so yourself more than you love your soul. My God, if we are willing to suffer the indignities of a medical doctor in, a, in an examination room, my, why in God's name are we not able to suffer whatever we have to suffer at the hands of the Word of God and say, God, check my ears, my eyes, my nose, my head. You check me out. I just want to be saved. Leprosy is probably one of the most cruel diseases that I have ever studied about. Leprosy is worse than cancer. Leprosy, I have seen lepers. I was in the nation of India several years ago in two southern states of Kerala and Tamil Nadu, deep southernmost states of India, communist countries, preaching the gospel and, and there I'd see lepers on the streets begging. Lepers that didn't have digits or fingers. Lepers who'd lost toes and feet. Lepers who had no nose. Just you could see their sinus openings in their head. Lose ears. Lose lips. Lose flesh off of their cheeks. Begging. Leprosy is cruel. Leprosy, when you begin to study it, it is almost a mocker. But leprosy is not a disease of the extremities. It is not a disease of fingers or toes, or noses, or ears. But leprosy is a disease of nerve endings. 
Leprosy is painless. A person with leprosy should not play the guitar because he would literally beat his fingers off into the strings. His nerves, brother, would not tell him when. He is abusing his fingers. He would literally beat the ends of them off of the strings. A leper should not be out in the sun because the nerve endings die in the reflexes of his eyelids and he does not even know it when the sun literally is burning the eyeballs out of his head. A leper should never grate cheese. He won't know when he's quit grating cheese and starts grating him on self. A leper should not handle a knife because he'll never know. Never know. No pain. You're hurting yourself. What do you mean? I don't feel nothing. You're in trouble. What do you mean I'm in trouble? I don't feel anything. That's the problem I want to preach about tonight. I am here to tell you one of the greatest friends God ever gave you was pain. One of the greatest friends God has ever given you is the endings of nerves that's on every part of your body. One of the greatest friends he's ever given you, ladies, when you're cooking around the stove is the ability to know I am burning myself right now. And there is the ability to say, ouch, and you can pull your hand away. There is comfort and misery. A person with leprosy cannot stand to be in the sun because brother Nathan they don't know when they're they're going through sunburn and sunstroke and they can literally burn their flesh to second third fourth degree burns they don't feel it they should never be in cold weather because they'll never know when they begin to freeze and frostbite sets in, and they begin to lose toes and fingers. The reasons that lepers are usually maimed people is because of self-inflicted wounds. That's right. Self-inflicted wounds. And they don't even know they're hurt. They don't even know they're bleeding. They don't even know they're in trouble. They don't even know they're on fire. They don't even know they're burning. They don't even know they're freezing. And you tell them you're in trouble and they say, Me? I don't feel nothing. The greatest mistake you will ever make is when you stand up against the Word of God and say, I just don't feel like that. Right. 
I told you tonight, I don't know who all I'm preaching to tonight. There's some of you here tonight, I don't even know who you are. But I'm telling you, God's got your number and you know it. Some of the greatest danger you will ever, ever, ever walk into is to stand against the counsel of the man of God and the people of the house of God and say, well, you may feel that way, but I don't feel that way. There's comfort and misery. Of everything I feel, I'm going to tell you, I'm glad I can feel the presence of God. And I'm glad that I can feel the joy of my salvation. But I'm going to tell you one thing I want always to feel. I want to be able to feel the Word of God when the Word of God is dealing with my life. I want to feel the conviction of the Holy Ghost when I'm not right. Oh God, don't let me sear my conscience. I want to feel the misery of sin. I don't feel like you're preaching to me tonight. I am preaching to you. I'm preaching to you because you're almost past feeling. Nerve endings die. That's why the doctor looks into the eye. It's the window to the soul. He looks in there. He can see a lot of things. That's why he looks on the flesh to see if it's spotted, to see what the nail beds look like. It tells him lots of stories. I'm preaching to some people tonight. It does not take a person with a whole bunch of spirituality to understand that the look in your eye is a very warning signal that says there's not much life there, if any. Amen. It's just another church service. I'm here. That ought to be all right. I am preaching to somebody tonight. Whoever you are, I pray before you leave this house that the Word of God and God's Spirit can shake you out of your lethargy and you can say, Oh, God, I need to feel you like I ain't never felt you in all of my life. There's a certain look in the eye. That's why the preacher doesn't have to hear literally from God. There's just a certain way you can tell it. When your hands are no longer in the air, it's a telltale sign. Your feelings are wrong. When there's no song on your lips, it's a telltale sign to the preacher. Something's wrong. They're not feeling what they ought to feel. Oh, I'm going to preach to you tonight. If you never come to the house of God or you just show up on Christmas and an Easter, don't lie to yourself and say everything's all right. Everything ain't all right. You can't show up once a month and be saved. Well, what's Brother Elder told you? Nothing. I don't know who you are. God does. There's certain something in the look of the eye. You can tell it. No personal convictions. Well, that's Brother Elder's convictions, and that's the conviction of the church, but myself, I don't feel that way. Tell me you got leprosy. No personal standards. Church attendance out the door.
faithfulness and tithes and offerings out the door. I feel the church can get along without me. That's where you're wrong. Hair is not an issue anymore. Dress is not an issue anymore. Television is not an issue anymore. Movies are not an issue anymore. Makeup is not an issue anymore. Ungodly fellowship is not an issue anymore. What we are now is, hey, I feel like I'm okay. I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel that that's wrong for me. Leprosy is a disease of the nerve endings. It's a destroyer of the ability to feel. I am here to tell you tonight, before a person loses out with God, they don't leave an altar of sacrifice and an altar of commitment and jump in the pit. Like they need to worship. They can sing and not feel nothing. They can hear the word and not feel nothing. The glory of God can flow across the church. And they stand around like a duck on a pond saying, What in God's name's going on? There's leprosy. I am reaching tonight with everything I have trying to follow the Holy Ghost to reach some good people here tonight that's being deceived. God is reaching tonight to somebody. I, I, I don't know who you are. I don't know your name. I wish I did because I, I, I might be tempted just to call it out and let you know how deeply burdened I feel about this. But God tonight is trying to bust through apathy and he's trying to bust through the isolation and he's trying to bust through the insulation and touch a part of you that hasn't been touched in a long time. Paul wrote to the Ephesian church and said this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind having their understanding darkness darkened being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Of all the places I don't want to be, I don't want to be past feeling. Brother Elder, I would rather be in, in under, uh, I'd rather be convicted of God. I would rather feel like God himself had come and stood in front of my pew and pointed his finger on my forehead and preached me into the altar. Sister Kim, I would rather the, rather the preacher call me in on the office and chew me out and say, hey boy, you ain't coming to enough church to save a goat, much less a child of God. I'd much rather have my, my grass mode and my feet trampled than to just have somebody that did not care and allow me to wind up being past feeling. But you have not learned so of Christ 
If so be ye that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, then you should put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I read to you in Leviticus where the Bible said the plague is in his head. I'm here to tell you before, before it shows up in your hair and your dress and your conversation and your actions, it's going to show up between your ears. Before it shows up with us having a big old TV in our living room and drinking like Jack Daniels and smoking like Mr. Winston, there's going to be a plague inside of our brain that gets to telling us, hey, I'm beyond that. I don't need to hear that. I don't have to put up with that. I didn't come to church to hear that. I'm here to preach to you tonight. I did not come to the house of God to have my little feathers stroked. I did not come here tonight for God to rock me in the cradle. I'm here tonight because I don't want to be lost. I'm here tonight because I gotta make heaven I'm here tonight because I can't be lost everything a leper touches becomes leprous that's why they're put out of the camp they sit on a chair it becomes leprous lay on a bed it's leprous Sit on a couch, it's leprous. The clothes they wear are leprous. Nothing escapes the plague of leprosy. The leper is always banished from true friends. The leper never can drink from running water. For he'll pollute everything downstream. He's got to drink out of mud holes. That's why as long as you drink from running water, you'll never be a leper. That's why as long as your hands are in the air, you'll never be a leper. That's why as long as your knees are in an altar, you'll never be a leper. That's why as long as you're in the house of God, you'll never be a leper. That's why as long as you live for God, you'll never be a leper. I am here to preach to you tonight. The only hope you have is to hear the word of God and say, my God, the preacher's not mad at me. He's just trying to poke here and say, can you feel? In the Yukon, Let's pray right now. God, help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Reach, God, right now. Reach, 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 reach. Reach, 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 reach. Oh, help me reach right now one more time, church, would you? There's souls in the balance of this service tonight. There are souls in the balance of this service. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. In the Yukon, the Inuit Indians have discovered the greatest way to kill the wolf. It's not with trap, nor bow, nor rifle, nor arrow. But the Inuit will take a knife, sharp knife, and kill an animal and bleed the animal. And in the freezing temperature, he will dip that knife in blood, withdraw it, let it freeze, then dip it again and keep doing that in succession until he has completely isolated and insulated the blade with blood. And then lashing the haft of that knife to a stake, he drives it into the ground with a blood-dipped blade sticking up. And the smell of blood catches the wolf's nose, and the wolf is drawn to the blood, and the wolf begins to lick the blood. And as he licks the blood, and licks the blood, and licks the blood, he slowly is dissolving all the blood around the blade. And he's licking it, and he's becoming intoxicated by the blood of an animal. Until, before he's known what he's done, the blood's all gone. And he is lacerating his tongue, and he keeps licking. But now he's licking his own blood, he's drinking his own blood, he doesn't even know it. He don't even feel nothing. And he sits there and licks a knife blade until he falls over dead. He bleeds to death and drinks his own blood. And the Inuit just walks out to where the knife is and there's his wolf. I'm telling you something tonight. Sin is cruel. I want to preach to you tonight if some of you were physically in a dire shape as you are spiritually, you would be screaming to the top of your lungs for a physician to examine you, to check you out, to run every test he could do. I am begging that somehow the Holy Ghost can talk to you and let you to understand you need God. You need your heart shaken. Because some of you are inebriated because of your own success. You're inebriated because of your own self. And now you don't even know it. But you're drinking yourself to death. Drinking the poison of not feeling nothing. And licking the blade. Licking the blade. Licking the blade. The only hope for the leper was a high priest. And the only hope for a spiritual leper is the high priest whose name is Jesus Christ. You have a boiling cauldron of water and you throw a pig into it, that pig's going to jump out of it. You throw a pig into a cold cauldron of water, that pig is going to jump out of it. But you put a pig in lukewarm water and slowly turn up the heat. You can literally boil a hog to death and you'll never know what happened. 
Never get out of the water. Don't know it. Rock to sleep because of apathy. I'm preaching tonight. There's some in here tonight that's awful, awful, awful careless and way too comfortable with what you call your salvation. The Spirit of God tonight is reaching, saying the look in your eye, the spot on your flesh, the lackadaisical attitude of prayer, the thing that, that, that you can be sitting there right now and arguing with yourself, saying, but I don't feel I'm wrong. I don't feel I'm in need in prayer. I don't feel I need to pray. I don't feel like anything is wrong with me. I am telling you that is exactly what I'm preaching. I don't care if you just got off a 40-day fast. There ought to be something in your heart tonight that's saying, God, let me feel the Word. Let me feel the pain, God. If I'm not right with you, shine the light of your word into my life and let me know God because I want to be clean I want to be pure I want to be holy I want to be righteous I want to be right and to the angel of the church of Laodiceans write these things save the amen the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would you were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm going to tell you something. If there is anything that makes God so sick he wants to vomit, it's people with spiritual leprosy who have acquired the ability to not feel anymore. He said, I'll spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I'm rich, increase with goods, have need of nothing. Knowest thou not that thou art wretched and miserable, naked, poor, blind? I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Hear the word. He said, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Friend, if you haven't felt the rebuke or the chasing of the Lord in a long time, I, 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 I question His love and your love. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man's going to hear my voice and open the door, I'm going to come into him and will sup with him and he with me. But to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, he that hath an ear. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. He that hath an ear. He that hath an ear, if your ear still works, if you can still hear my voice, if you can still hear the word of God, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the church. A man I pastored in the city of Dinuba. One Sunday morning, I preached on accountability. And I told that church that there was not anybody in that building that was worth their salt if they were not accountable to God and accountable to the ministry. 
I told them if they refused to be accountable to me, they could cross me off their list as pastor because I wasn't their pastor. We'll let our jobs test us for drugs and alcohol and take our attendance and demand to know why we're out of, uh, out of work. But we bow up with all kind of ungodly spirits if somebody checks up on our, our absenteeism in church. Or tells us what kind of books we ought to be reading. What we should and shouldn't have in our homes. I preach to that church you're robbing God if you don't pay your tithes and offerings. You are sticking God in the ribs. I had a man, great big old man, been in prison, named Angel Chavez. Big old Mexican guy from, from L.A. Tattoo on his neck. Come up to me after church. Looked down on me. Said, preacher, I am sick and tired of hearing you preach like that. Said, all I ever hear you preaching about his commitment and giving he said when's the last time you ever paid tithes to anybody I said I pay tithes every week he says when's the last time you ever gave any tithes to anybody in this church I said I ain't never done it because that's not the will of God but I said I'm fixing to do it right now I called my secretary I said did this guy give tithes today Right in front of him. She got the offering. Went through the bags. Said, yeah. I took it and I put it in his shirt pocket. I said, Angel, don't ever put your tithes in an offering plate in this church again. Don't ever call me as your pastor. He cursed me. Cursed God. Cursed the church. Walked home. Cursed his wife. Beat his wife all up. Abused her. She started rebuking him. He jumped in his car, drove to L.A. to talk to his reprobate mama, walked in the door, and fell dead of a heart attack. Young man. What are you saying? Pre I'm saying, friend, if you can feel tonight that there is a need in your life to pray, you ought to thank God that you can feel that. If you can feel that the Word of God is digging around where you live, I'm telling you, you ought to thank God. You ought to be crying and sobbing and standing on your feet saying, My God, I thank you that I can still be convicted! There's comfort in misery, I am telling you tonight, some of the greatest times I've ever had with God is when the preacher preached to me and it seems like God tore me up and I fell at an altar. But oh, thank God, I wasn't past feeling. I could still be drawn to an altar. Hallelujah. His plague is in his head. It's in his thinking. It's in his willingness to submit or rebel. The problem's not church and the pastor and this preacher and the standards. 
the problems, not the extremities, the plagues in the head. But I feel tonight, I don't know about you, but I feel like I need to pray. I don't know about you tonight, but I don't feel like I'm a water walker right now. I feel like, God, I got such a long way to go to be like you. I thank you, God, for my past victories. I thank you, God, for the Holy Ghost. But God, God, I want you to examine me tonight. Search my heart. Try me, oh God. See if there be any wicked way in me. Walk through the inner chambers of my life. Open the doors, God, that I've locked and wouldn't let nobody in. You go in them right now, God, and see if there's any hidden sin. See if there's any wickedness. See if there's any iniquity. My God, if I find myself coming up short to the Word of God, would you let me pray? Oh, God, would you please touch me? God, would you please jab me where I hurt and say, does it hurt? And I'm going to say, yeah. Thank God I can still feel pain. Thank God that there is truly misery misery and I find comfort in being able to feel I want you to stand with me right now friend if you don't feel nothing now you will feel something one day you may be so far isolated you can't feel nothing right now. And you're just dying to get home to see who won the Super Bowl. You're ready to go home and eat. Say, well, I made my weekly trek to church. But I'm here to tell you, when you wake up in hell, you're going to feel everything. You won't be able to run from that pain. You won't be able to run from those feelings. You won't be able to stand before God and say, God, Nobody told me. Nobody reached for me. I never heard it. You're hearing it tonight. And you know who you are. If you let the devil lie to you and tell, tell you that I am angry with you, I'm telling you he is a liar. There ain't a person here tonight that I'm half mad at. But the devil... Does it hurt here? Yes, doctor, it does. Good. Good. Does it hurt here? Yeah! Yeah, I feel that! Good. 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 There's hope. I can put it together. I can mend it. I can stitch it. I can heal it. I'm begging somebody in this church to cry out to God. I'm begging somebody to throw their hands in the air, swallow their pride and say, God, what I need is God. How long has it been since you wept? How long has it been since you really examined your soul? How long has it been since you talked in tongues? How long has it been? How long has it been? How long has it been? If it, you can't say it's been today, it's been too long. These altars are open right now. 
There's people need to come and pray. I'm not talking about people on their way to hell. I'm talking about good people. But if you don't do something about it, you will find yourself in hell. Oh God, can I feel? Can I feel anything anymore? Don't let me be past feeling. Don't let me have a plague in my head. My thoughts drive me. Hallelujah. 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 That's right. Let's find a place to pray. Let's don't bury our head in the crook of our arm. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Precious saints of God that are here. You see somebody here that really needs a praying through. Why don't you slip to their side? Why don't you help them? Any wicked way. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. And lead me. Oh God. In the way. Oh God. Come on, your cry ought to be, I need you, God. I need you. I need you. Come on, saints of God. Let's don't be intimidated. Let's don't be nervous. If there's some among us that haven't been here for a while, why don't you pray with them? Lay hands on them. Love them. Help them. I need God. I better feel the love of God tonight. My heart. Try me. Come on, it's been a long time since you drank from running, running water. You've been trying to live drinking out of mud holes. Why don't you lift your heart to God? Why don't you surrender your spirit? Why don't you pour it out and say, God, I need to feel the river. The river. Any wicked way. If there's any wicked way in me, God, get it out of me. Dig it out of me. I don't care how deep you got to cut. Get it out of me. Get it out of me. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Search me. young lady how long has it been since the river really flowed how about a young man how long has it been since the water really gushed how about it mom and dad how long has it been my god don't let me get past feeling and see oh god
Have mercy on us, Jesus. 